Oh, aren't you thankful? That is not very far from us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless your name tonight. We magnify you in this place. Blessed be your name, Jesus. We have you inside of us. We fill with your spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Nobody wants to feel that feeling of loneliness. Nobody cares about you or that you've been forgotten or uh, left behind. I'm glad that uh, we don't have to experience that in the, in, in the Word of God, in the church. Sometimes we may experience that in our family and friends where we feel left alone. But if you have Jesus in your life, you're never alone. If you have the Holy Ghost, you've been filled with His Spirit. He lives inside of us. Amen. And we don't have to worry. We don't have to go very far because He's right there with us. Amen. Jesus referred to Him as uh, the Comforter. Amen. And isn't He a comfort in our lives? Imagine trying to live, live in this world without Him. Of course, we've, we've experienced that before, haven't we? Man, and it's just, it's a completely different world when you have the Holy Ghost, when you have Jesus in your life. Amen. You can lean upon Him for everything. We are blessed that we have this encounter and this experience. Amen. And we don't want to take it for granted, do we? Amen. So good to see everyone here tonight to come together to worship the Lord. Amen. We want to uh, dismiss our kids Kids Church, amen, and this Saturday we've got uh, uh, family prayer downtown 9 a.m. at the uh, the bank, Wells Fargo Bank down there, amen, so look forward to seeing you there as we uh, pray down in the streets of Fort Myers, amen, and before we go there, uh, Sister Bruce wanted to say something, sorry, I, didn't, I forgot you were connected to the kids tonight, they'll, they'll survive on their own. It turned out to be only two hours. And they got all of the cancer. But what was so remarkable to me was when my brother-in-law told me that the doctor was having a conversation with my sister during the operation. So she was awake. Now, I, I can't hardly imagine that. But he said that the doctor said she probably won't remember, but we were having a conversation. And I go, oh, my, my God is good. My God is good. My God is good. I praise the Lord. My sister is a good Baptist girl, but that's okay because I was a good Baptist girl too. And God is able. God is more than able. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Our God is at work. Man, a good Baptist makes a great apostolic. Yeah? All right. Amen. We're not, uh, we're not selfish. We want everyone to have this experience, right? 
Freely have we received, so freely give. Amen. Amen. As we're staying, we go to the word of the Lord tonight. We're continuing in our series of the kingdom. We're on part seven tonight, uh, coming to a close. And Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, our text, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Turn to a few people and greet them in the name of the Lord as you're seated today. I just want to put a disclaimer on uh, my comment. It doesn't mean we're finishing tonight. As I said, we're coming to a close, but uh, soon, I guess. <clears throat> and um, so we've been tra- tracking the kingdom of heaven uh, throughout the Bible. And we saw its first ex- uh, appearance in the beginning with Adam and Eve. They were given dominion and authority to rule this world in the, through the kingdom of God, through God's plan. With their disobedience, uh, man was kicked out of the kingdom of heaven and its gate was guarded by a, an angel with a flaming sword. Because man was not allowed back in because of their disobedience and the fallen state now, corrupted state, and uh, was not be allowed back in. And so now we are tracing the, the promised return of the kingdom of heaven throughout the history of Israel. We went... From uh, Abraham to Moses to David to Israel's destruction and, and the rebuilding of it. And we get to the scene where Jesus appears and he begins offering the kingdom of heaven. Uh, it is presented to Israel. If they will accept Jesus as their king, then uh, everything is fine. But they liked uh, the meals. They liked the miracles that Jesus did for them. But adhering to the moral code and the, the kingdom life, the kingdom living, was a bit harder to accept because it wasn't what they're used to and, and, and Jesus was uh, changing things up a little bit and no longer is it an eye for an eye, but now you pray for that man. Now you pray for that, pray for your enemy. Now you bless your enemy. Uh, that's, that's, that was hard for them to accept. Especially when they were being oppressed by the Romans, they didn't want to be nice to them. They wanted God, their king, to come and just take care of them, wipe the Romans off the face of the earth. Uh, but Jesus' teaching was not like that, and so they did not uh, accept him. And so they rejected Jesus as their king, as we saw in Matthew chapter 12. And we've been following and watching the shift in his ministry, uh, where it was all uh, offering and repenting for the kingdom of God is at hand, but now, uh, since he knew that they would not crown him, but they would crucify him, Jesus' shift uh, begins to focus on, he's speaking in parables now, and now he's preparing his disciples to lay the foundation of the coming church age. Jesus being the chief cornerstone, he had to be cast down in order to set up the church that was to come. And so last week we ended with uh, Jesus and his disciples in Jerusalem, um, in the temple, talking with the leaders, the elders, uh, the chief priests and scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees, talking with them. They're all gathered there in their headquarters and talking with them, the very people who would decide 
whether or not the kingdom of heaven would come to the earth. But we already know their decision was already made uh, many chapters ago. And as we witnessed, Jesus started rebuking everybody in chapter 23 for their unrepentant heart. They would not change in their ways and their minds and their thinking. And so he started rebuking everybody and, and he stormed out. And the stage has been set, the die has been cast for the crucifixion of the king of the Jews. It's, it's not even ironic that as they crucified him, they put up the sign, king of the Jews. He literally was the king of the Jews. He was their king, and they, they, they crucified him. That just adds to their judgment as the sign was literally there. And as they were leaving the temple in Matthew 24, we we ended up last week here. The disciples are admiring the beauty of this temple and all the building that's going on. And and Jesus tells them, hey, it's all coming down. Everything you like, go ahead and admire it now because it's all coming down. Uh, Not one stone will be left upon another because of Israel's unbelief. And that the nation of Israel won't see Jesus again until they look to him and they believe in him as their king and their savior. And they confess, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're not going to see him till then. And the disciples then start asking him questions about the end times. And, and here is where everyone really starts paying attention and looking into the and deciphering and discerning. Uh, the signs of the times in Matthew 24, 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. Everyone wants to know that. But before we start diving into this, we have to remember the context. Not just the setting there that day on the Mount of, of Olives, But we have to bring in everything that we have been talking about uh, concerning the kingdom of heaven and its manifestation on the earth again. And up to this point, how much talk has there been about this thing called the church? There's been very little talk of it. Jesus mentioned it in Matthew 16, I'll build my church. That's the only time he mentioned it. But uh, up to Matthew 24 this whole time, this church, this concept of the church really hasn't been taught much, alluded to very little. How much context or content has been covered concerning Gentiles? Not much. Really nothing, really. The only time Gentiles even appear in the picture is when Jesus tells his disciples, don't bring this gospel of the kingdom to the Gentiles. Don't go by the way of the Gentiles or the Samaritans. You don't go that way. You only go to Israel, and you only go preaching to Israel. And, and we saw that with the Syrophoenician woman where Jesus said, I'm not here to deal with the Gentiles, but I have been called to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so the, the whole focus right now on everything Right now is the nation of Israel. Since Jesus showed up until Matthew 24 where he is talking here about the end of the world, everything he has been talking about has been about Israel. Nothing about Gentiles. No place for Gentiles. 
No concern for them at this moment. It's all about Israel because the kingdom of heaven is promised to them and will come to this earth through the nation of Israel if they obey the law of Moses and enact everything it says to do, which is to set over them a king of God's choosing, which was Jesus. And so here in Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, talking about the last days and his return, and so often do people put the church right here in the middle of it uh, when Jesus barely mentioned the church at all at this point. And, and so when looking at the physical temple and, and telling uh, when he will return to this place, the signs of his return, he is obviously talking about coming back to Israel. And, and why would Jesus speak about things pertaining to the church when the church is barely even mentioned? And I know we all fit into this at the end times, and so, yeah, there's some crossing over uh, of, of events and things in the end. Uh, but Jesus has barely even mentioned the church in his teaching, and so we, he's continuing on, and so it has to be concerning Israel. And so if you want to know about the church and things concerning the church, where do you need to go? You need to go to the upper room, because that's when he really starts laying out things about the church and even more so after his resurrection where he teaches them, teaches his disciples and followers for uh, 40 days about the things of, uh, of the kingdom and the church age. And so what Jesus tells his disciples in the upper room is different than what he's telling them there at the temple. And, and so to grasp the events of the end times, you have to understand the kingdom uh, which pertains to Israel and since their rejection of Christ, now we have this new work starting, uh, which is the church. And we have to understand that the church's program is different than Israel's program. They're two different things. Uh, two different trains on two different tracks, if you will. What happens to one train doesn't mean it's going to happen to the other train. Uh, and so understanding that the church in Israel... Uh, we're on two different tracks here, and what people tend to do, is, especially when it comes to the last days, is to think that Israel and the church are one and the same, and that we're on the same train and same train track, uh, and that you can easily, if you look at everything that way, then you can easily read in uh, the church in Matthew 24 and put the church where it, 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 I, I don't think it should be. And so when we clear, when clearly we are not uh, where the church is nowhere around, uh, up until the crucifixion, there was only one train, and that was the train of Israel moving along. Over thousands of years, this train, the train of Israel, the Israelite train has been moving. There's only been one train. Uh, but when, the, when, when they killed the Messiah, the prince, something happened, a, a fork happened. And all of a sudden now, uh, uh, something new is coming on the scene. You still have Israel's train, uh, but now something appeared out of nowhere, a mystery. Uh, the church was birthed uh, with the death of Jesus, and now this new thing appeared, this mystery as it's uh, likened to, uh, as Paul says, has been, that has been hidden from the foundation of this world, uh, which was the, the church. And it kind of branches off. Uh, if you will, on its own separate track. Two trains on two different tracks, but they come together in the end. Uh, at the end of age, when the kingdom of heaven comes to earth, 
uh, that's when the, these trains come back together. Uh, and so the Jews will finally get their kingdom, and we, the church, who are already experiencing many of the benefits and blessings of the kingdoms and, and the kingdom lifestyles, we will be coming back with Jesus not to suffer through the tribulation like Israel does because two trains on two different tracks and the two plans come together at the end of the world. And so isn't, isn't God smart enough to be able to steer two trains and make sure they come back at the same meeting point, two different tracks? Uh, and we really get to see this um, come to play and understand this is the timetable that was given to Daniel. We understand that something happens here. A, a fork happens, if you will. Daniel 9.24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, Daniel, who is, who is Israel. Israel's Daniel's people. And upon thy holy city, which is the city of Jerusalem. So 70 weeks are determined for Israel. The church is not mentioned here. Uh, not even hinted to here. Uh, Seventy weeks are determined on the blind people to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Uh, and what makes reconciliation for iniquity? Doesn't, didn't Jesus already do that? But if they didn't accept Jesus, then they, they really don't have any reconciliation yet, do they? Uh, and so we, we obviously accept uh, the cross and understand what happened. And so we get reconciliation for our iniquity right now because we, we have faith in, in Jesus. Verse 25, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and, and build Jerusalem unto, unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and Two weeks, that's seven weeks plus 62 weeks is 69 weeks. The, the street shall be built again, the wall even in troublous times. And after the, the 62 weeks, after, so a total of 69 weeks, shall Messiah be cut off. Uh, but not for himself, he doesn't get anything. Uh, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and sanctuary. Jesus is referring to that. Uh, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, referring to the final week, the 70th week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause a sacrifice and oblation to cease. For the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. And so here is how you know that God has two different plans, one plan for Israel and one plan for the church because the 70th week has not happened yet. From the decree of King Artaxerxes in the year 458 B.C. for the rebuilding of the temple, the, the time clock started as Jesus, or as God revealed to Daniel here, uh, from the going forth proclamation, you got 70 weeks, Israel. Israel has 70 weeks. And so in 458, the time clock started. Uh, the time was moving along. Every seven years that passed, another week was crossed off. Uh, and so everything was moving along smoothly all the way up to the 69th week where the Messiah, the prince, shows up. 
which is Jesus, and he's killed. So Jesus is killed on Israel's 69th week, in Israel's 69th week. And so what ha- then what happened, if everything's been moving along, 69th week happens, Messiah the prince is, is killed and cut off. So then everything should continue on, right? There's been no pause in time. Everything's been moving on for the last 490, 480 80 years or so. Uh, so what happened to the 70th week? And the abomination of desolation, that should have happened during the first seven years of the church. Because if the clock was still running, then the 70th week should have showed up right there at the beginning of the, of the church age. Everything should have been wrapped up. Time should have stopped. 70, year, 70 weeks is finished in the year 40 A.D. Because the Messiah was killed in the 69th week, as the prophecy says, which is around 33 A.D. So you want to add another week to that, add seven years. So 40 A.D. should have been the end of the 70 weeks. And what happens there, that means the end of age is here. That means it's over. Checkmate. Everything's over. So how are we still here? The only way we're still here is if the 70th week has not happened yet. And there is no, there's no kingdom of heaven here manifested on the earth, ruling the earth. Uh, it's because after the Messiah was killed in the 69th week, God hit pause. He hit pause on Israel. He hit pause on their plan, on their program, and their train keeps on moving in unbelief. And God hits pause, and he hits pause because now he's shifting his focus elsewhere, which is the church. The church program initiates and begins here, and once God is finished with the church, guess what? It's time to hit play again and to focus back on Israel's remaining 70th week. They have one week left on God's timetable. And so we see in Romans 11.25, this is talking about the beginning of the tech, uh, chapter, the context of it all, is about how the Gentiles are grafted in, uh, grafted into the tree. Uh, Gentiles who don't belong are now grafted into this uh, salvation, the tree uh, that God has provided. And Paul's explaining here, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, the mystery that now Gentiles are allowed in. I mean, they're, they're heathens. Uh, they're never allowed in anything. It was Israel only. But now all of a sudden Gentiles are coming in. And so this mystery, which is the church, how Jews and Gentiles can come together in one body. Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel. So Israel's blinded now. They are blinded because of uh, they rejected Jesus. They rejected their king. They're blinded by their own faith or their own pride, their own uh, doctrines, whatever. They're blinded in part. They, they, they reject, that's how, that's how they rejected their king, because they're, they're blind. They couldn't see it. Jesus referred to them, you're, 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 you're blind, you cannot see, you're deaf, you cannot hear. Um, and, and so blindness is in part, is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. So Israel is right now is, is partly blind. And until the times of the Gentile is over, then what's going to happen? 
It's going to focus back on Israel. And so we have this time, this time of grace that you and I are grateful for, which is the times of the Gentiles, which we are allowed to experience salvation and be a part of, of, of God's plan, which was always from the beginning of time. Uh, but understand that Israel right now is partially blind, meaning that some Jews, some Jews see Jesus who he is and some Jews believe. Most of Israel does not believe, and they are still blind. Uh, and so what happens is the Israel train is moving off. They're blinded. They're, they're blind and they're just driving. While the church has just showed up and now the church train is, is moving off, forked off, and, and, and we're following uh, God's plan for the church. And so what is going to remove the blindness from Israel is Daniel's 70th week. Send them through the tribulation send them through hardships and trials and pain, uh, and that blindness is going to come off their eyes, and then they're going to actually see who Jesus is, and then they're going to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And guess what? That's, that's the Bible describes as the end, because when Jesus says, you're not going to see me again until you confess. And so Israel is, is partly blind, and they, they got to go through the tribulation, Daniel's 70th week, to finish all this out and remove the scales from their eyes. Uh, and so the last seven years, Daniel's 70th week is for Israel. It does not apply to the church because God has a plan for us and he has a plan for Israel. And the fact that both Israel with Jerusalem now as its capital, which happened three years ago, uh, and the fact that both Israel and the church are in the world together right now, means that both trains are getting near to the station. That means that things are coming to an end, and which means one train is going to be lifted up off its tracks and carried into heaven, while the other train is to con uh, continuing to head on forward through uh, the final seven years on this earth. Uh, and so I guess you get to decide which train you want to be, be on. I, will, I want to be on the train that just gets lifted out of here and goes into heaven. I don't want to be on the, the, the blind train where they're just they're pummeling through. It's going to be a rough ride for that train. Uh, and so uh, Matthew 24, Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. These are the signs of the times of his, of his coming. And uh, obviously we, we can identify with a lot of these things ourselves uh, here in the present age uh, because... Like I said, both trains are coming to a, a close uh, encounter here at the end. And so we will see, we already see a lot of these things happening. I hear of wars and rumors of wars. Be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. And these are just the beginning of things. Uh, they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. This is uh, referring to Israel. Uh, they shall be, many shall be offended. They shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax old. But he that endured to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. And so... Uh, the question is, is now when Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom, 
shall be preached in all the world, and then the end shall come. What gospel is he talking about? Now, gospel, the word gospel is a trigger word. Our ears perk up. We hear gospel. You don't hear that word very often. And so we hear that, and, and our ears perk up because we, 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 we know that's a trigger word. Uh, and this gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, he's being specific. He doesn't explain what it is, and the disciples have to already know what it is. Otherwise, Peter would have interjected and said, Big Mouth Peter would have said, Lord, what, you, what gospel are you talking about? So we have to assume that they, they know what gospel he's talking about because he just said this gospel is going to be preached. And, and we, the church, look at that and we say, well, yeah, death, burial, resurrection. Repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, that's the gospel, right? Uh, and Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. And so, uh, but is that the gospel that Jesus and his disciples were preaching then? They were on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus, had, had, Jesus hadn't been crucified yet. And so how, how could the disciples go out and preach the gospel? You need, to be, you need to repent, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name so that you're buried with Christ, and you need to receive the Holy Ghost because uh, the Holy Ghost, that, the Spirit that raised Jesus, if that dwells in you, He'll raise your, your mortal bodies too. Jesus hasn't been buried yet, so they can't be going out and preaching Acts 2.38 because he hasn't been buried yet. And uh, baptism identifies us with his burial. Uh, And and so, and Jesus was talking about rivers of living water in John 7.38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit which they that believe in on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Uh, and so uh, Jesus talked about it, but did they receive it? They, nobody received it then. Why? Because Jesus hadn't been killed and glorified yet. Uh, and so if the disciples went around preaching, repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost, but nobody could do that yet because Jesus was still there. And then once Jesus died, then they'd have to go back around and say, uh, you remember what I was preaching to you guys a few years ago? Now's the time to get baptized, and now's the time to get the Holy Ghost. And that, that, that doesn't really make any sense, does it? And so I want to submit to you today that, uh, and I may be wrong and open for discussion, but I, I think that there are two Gospels. Israel has a gospel, and the church has a gospel. Two trains on two different tracks, and the tickets to get on board are different. The gospel of the kingdom would be for Israel, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is for the church. Matthew 4.23, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. So was Jesus preaching the gospel that we preach? Was Jesus preaching Acts 2.38 there in Matthew when he just started his ministry? So the gospel of the kingdom has to be different than the gospel that we preach. And and gospel simply means good news. Uh, and, And so the gospel of Jesus Christ, what we preach, is that he died, he was buried, 
He rose again, and the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can dwell in you and help you live a life that uh, more abundantly and above sin and above reproach and all these things. There's, there's power in the, in the Holy Ghost when you receive it. That's what we preach that here in the church age. We preach Acts 2.38. Uh, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for their remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you, to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's what we preach. So what is Jesus preaching? The gospel of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. What were they, what were they preaching? Uh, they, were, they were preaching... Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what John the Baptist started preaching. That's what uh, Jesus started preaching. And that's what he told the disciples to go out and preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so uh, uh, all of those things, they were preaching all those things before the crucifixion. So the good news of the kingdom of heaven is that, hey, it's at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, so you need to repent. The kingdom of heaven is right on the front door, the front step, uh, and so you need to repent because I got good news for you. The kingdom of heaven is nearly here. And Peter didn't stand up and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In fact, we have no record of any apostle preaching those, those words, saying those words. Of all the epistles that Paul wrote and the 74 times that Paul used the word gospel, why did he never say not one time, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? 74 chances to put those words together, but Paul never said the gospel of the kingdom or the gospel of uh, 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 or repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand because uh, I believe that the gospel of the kingdom uh, and, and that gospel was for the nation of Israel. And, and the gospel for us is something different. Uh, we have now entered the church age and the, the focus on this train uh, is now uh, Acts 2.38. But if, if, if Jesus would have showed up and the disciples would have went around preaching Acts 2.38, it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have fit. It wouldn't have fit in Israel because that's, it's the wrong time for that good news. That good news is, is going to be delivered later. And so uh, technically, and technically speaking, uh, don't throw your Bibles at me, but technically when the, 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 church, the church train on uh, the church age began, the kingdom of heaven was no longer at hand. Because that's what Jesus was went around preaching. That's what the apostles went around preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But that phrase disappears. Uh, and so uh, it was near to them. It was near to Israel. Uh, why? Because of, of what the prophecy said that, hey, uh, uh, Israel, you need to set over you a king of God's choosing, and that will help usher in uh, the kingdom of heaven to this earth. And so Jesus was the man chosen from heaven. The kingdom of heaven is so close that if you make Jesus your king, then the kingdom of heaven will come crashing to this earth, and there will be peace throughout the earth. That's the good news, Israel. It's right here. Your opportunity is right here. That's the gospel of the kingdom. That's, that's the good news that you have uh, available to you. But we know that the offer was rejected. 
Messiah the Prince was cut off. And as Jesus ascended into heaven after the crucifixion resurrection, uh, I guess we can say that the, the kingdom of heaven went with him. The offer went with him. Because the offer goes to Israel. The offer doesn't go to the church. The offer goes to Israel. They have to, they have to, they have to do that. Uh, and so, and that is why at Pentecost and afterwards, nobody is saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What are they saying? Because uh, I guess technically maybe it's not at hand because the kingdom is for Israel and for the Jews to bring in, and they missed out on the opportunity. And so the kingdom came in from heaven so close with Jesus, and they re rejected him, and so now it went back up into heaven, uh, and it's going to come back again whenever the time is right, whenever Jesus says, uh, until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, then the kingdom of heaven is coming back again. Uh, and so... Jesus said in the end times, this gospel shall be preached in all the world. I don't think that he was referring to Acts 2.38 because that hadn't happened yet. So I think, uh, I think that um, what he was referring to was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, it's coming back again. Um, our gospel is preached in all the world too as we are commanded by Jesus to do. But we have uh, a different gospel, repent, be baptized, and get the Holy Ghost. Israel doesn't, they don't care what Christians preach. They're, they're in a different, they're in a different uh, program, I guess. But let me ask you, if, if the church is raptured out of here before the final seven years, before Daniel's 70th week, because that, that time period is specifically earmarked for Israel, if the church is not here, then what gospel is being preached during the tribulation? Revelation does not mention anybody being baptized in Jesus' name or getting the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. And if the church is the restrainer, the one that is holding back the Antichrist, and we are told, the Bible says, that once he is removed, once that restrainer is removed and taken out of the way, the Antichrist appears. Because the Antichrist is here. The spirit of Antichrist has been here for a long time. And the Antichrist is here, but the, uh, Thessalonians talks about there's something that is holding him back, keeping him from, from rising up to the world power. And I believe that that is the church. That's why uh, it makes sense to me that once the church is raptured out of here, then the devil has free reign because there was nothing holding, the, no, nothing holding him back, nothing holding the Antichrist back. And so the Antichrist has to appear and appears and ushers in the final seven years. And if the church is taken out and if our train is lifted off its track and carried into heaven, then preaching Acts 2.38 doesn't really do good anymore in the, in, the, in the tribulation period because the church is already gone. That train's already gone. Uh, and, and so uh, it has to, in my opinion, revert back to the gospel of the kingdom because that's just what's left. Israel's left, and the kingdom of heaven is coming when Jesus is coming very soon. And Musicians, if you'd come. But Revelation does mention a gospel being preached throughout the world in Revelation 14. And I saw another fly, I uh, uh, saw an angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth 
and to every nation and kindred and, and tongue and people. Now, why is the angel preaching the gospel if the church is still here is called to preach the gospel? So if the church is not here at this time, uh, God is sending an angel to go out to preach a gospel, the everlasting gospel, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give God glory, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And, and, and many preachers will uh, have confessed that they don't know what the gospel is that is being preached in the end times. But I think that the gospel that is preached in the end times is the gospel of the kingdom. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand because it's going to be at hand again uh, because it's only a matter of a few years until, boom, Jesus shows up. Uh, and, and so uh, to make his path straight because the king is coming again, uh, at that point the kingdom of heaven will be at hand once again because we are told that at the end of the seven years, Jesus finally comes back to Jerusalem and brings, back, brings with him the kingdom of heaven. And so we know scripturally when the kingdom of heaven comes uh, that the church, our gospel, uh, is not, our gospel is not repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I know we preach that and we say that and uh, it's, it's, it's fine, but uh, why would we preach that and uh, repent and be ready at the end of Daniel's 70th, 70th week, the kingdom is coming? Why, why would the church preach that? We don't, we don't say that because something else happens before Daniel's 70th week that we preach about, and that is the rapture. Why would, you, why would we tell people to get ready for Daniel's 70th week when the rapture is going to happen before that? We preach, hey, you need to get ready because Jesus can come at any moment. That's what we preach. That's the gospel that we preach. Hey, you need to repent. You need to be baptized. You need to get the Holy Ghost because Jesus can come at any moment. In a twinkling of an eye, uh, we can be raptured out of here. We don't got to wait around for Daniel's 70th week to happen. No, there's, there's another train that's going to heaven a whole lot sooner. Uh, and so why don't you go ahead and repent and get ready uh, to see Jesus because uh, that will help you escape what is to come that is destined and earmarked for Israel. And so, at any moment, at the twinkling of an eye, the trumpet will sound, and that church train is going to be lifted off its tracks, and that is what we look forward to. We don't look forward to the end of uh, Daniel's 70th week. We don't look forward to shaking the Antichrist's hand because, no, we're not going to be here for that. We look forward to Jesus coming back for his church, uh, which, which happens before all of that. Uh, and so that's why we preach repent and, and be ready uh, because it can happen in a moment's notice. And once the church is gone, then they start, re start preaching, repent for the kingdom of, is, of heaven is at hand because truly the kingdom is on its way se seven years. Uh, and so uh, that's my, my uh, theory and under belief that uh, Israel has a gospel and the church that we preach has a gospel as well. You stand with me tonight. And so this rapture teaching, uh, Jesus didn't speak of it there uh, at the temple because it, wasn't, it didn't concern Israel. Israel's not getting raptured out of here. How can you, how, I mean, God can rapture a whole nation up to heaven. 
But if, if they're still blinded, if they're in partial, if they're in unbelief, why, how, why would God rapture a nation of, in, uh, stuck in unbelief? Why would he say, hey, it's your time to go to heaven now. I know you don't believe me, but hey, let's come up here and live up here. And so the rapture is, is for the church. Something com- It doesn't apply to Israel. And Jesus uh, starts speaking here in, in Matthew 24, the signs of the times, clear truth. Um, he doesn't tell, talk about in parables about the end of the age. Uh, but the end of chapter 24, he does start talking in parables. And Matthew 25 is full of parables. And Matthew 26 is when they start to kill him, the plot to kill Jesus. And so where the, the rapture is kind of introduced is, is in the upper room. John 14 and 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now, all this kingdom talk about the kingdom of heaven coming down and, and setting up uh, the throne in, in, in Jerusalem, that doesn't make sense that Jesus is going into heaven preparing a place for these people to take them up to heaven because you got to understand that the church is going somewhere different than Israel is going somewhere different. No crowds there up in the upper room. No multitudes of people. No, no need to speak in parables up there. He just All that's up there with Jesus is the, uh, the apostles, the, the future church. And so why is he telling the church, hey, I'm going to a place. I'm going to my father's house, which is in heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm preparing a place for you guys, the church, and I'm going to take you up there. And so this can't, uh, can't really apply to Israel because it's a different program. And so I go to prepare a place for you in heaven, and I will come and get you, and I will bring you into heaven. That teaching does not line up with anything we've heard about the kingdom of heaven coming to Israel and ruling from Jerusalem. But understanding that the church is different than Israel. Even though we, we meet together at the end, we're on different train, different paths. And so is Jesus is teaching here that the church is going to a place that Israel is not going to. Because they have to stay here to accept and bring in the kingdom. This teaching of taking a body of believers from the earth into heaven was only spoken to the apostles in the upper room, directed towards the church. And that is why we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is why uh, we say you need to be ready, because God is he's coming back at any moment. And once he comes back and gets his, his bride, his church, he goes back up to heaven, and then the 70th week plays out, and then he comes back. Uh, for Israel to fulfill everything he's told them to do. Uh, and and I want to be off this earth before uh, uh, all these things happen because I want to be with him. And that's a promise that you and I have as part of the church. If, if we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ and repent and are baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost, we have that promise and assurance that we will be resurrected and we will meet the Lord in the air. 
uh, Zechariah 14 is a prophecy about these last days. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the, the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity. The residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, that place where he was speaking in Mount Matthew 24, which is before Jerusalem on the east in the Mount of Olives where uh, shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the earth, toward the north, and half of it towards the south. What just happened there is that Jesus, the eastern sky is split, and, now, and, and we see Jesus coming back to earth, coming back with the heavenly host following him. And, and, and Zechariah sees this, that once he gets to the Mount of Olives, where, he's, where he steps down and he puts his foot on that mountain, uh, the Bible says that that mountain is going to split in half. Through the power of God coming back, the power of the kingdom of heaven uh, coming down to this earth. Once Jesus steps foot on the Mount of Olives, it gets split in half. And a great earthquake happens. And verse 5, And ye shall flee uh, to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azale, yea, uh, ye shall flee like as he fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah, uh, Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. And so the day is coming where the church is already raptured up. We're in heaven. We're waiting for Daniel's 70th week to play out on this earth because God says, it's, uh, Daniel, it's for you and your people, Daniel's 70th week. Uh, and so while all this dismay and, and tribulation and distress and all these things are, are happening here on the earth, uh, we, the church, we're in heaven because God has a different plan for us, uh, but we come to meet together in the end in the kingdom of heaven. Um, and Israel has to pass through. That 70th week, why? Because they're still partially blind. And it's going to take all hell on earth to get those blinders off their eyes and for them to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then they're going to call for him and he's going to come and that's when Jesus comes with his heavenly host with you and I. And, and we're going to see that great and glorious day. And so uh, until that day, what do we do as a church? We, we, we preach the gospel. We preach uh, Acts 2.38. We preach you need to be ready. Just as uh, they preach to Israel, you guys need to repent and be ready because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We too preach our gospel that you need to change your life. You need to repent of your ways. And you need to look to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm thankful that we have all, we've done that already. I'm thankful that we know who he is, that he is not just some prophet, not just some speaker, but he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's who we worship. And that's who he's coming back for us because we see him as, we're going to see him as he is. And that day is coming soon and very soon and so that's why we need to be ready that's why we need to be ready at a moment's notice because I want to go to heaven and be with our Lord and Savior 
Amen. If you believe that, let's worship the Lord together tonight. Amen. It's only a matter of time. God, help us, Lord, to continue to follow the, the word that you've given us, to obey the gospel, to preach the gospel, to tell our friends and family members what they need to do in order to see the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. How great you are, Jesus. Sing with me how great you are, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And all will see how great. Hallelujah. How great. How great are you, Jesus? There's no one like you, Lord. is in your Beginning hands. Our future is in your hands, God. The Lord our Hallelujah, God, Jesus. The Lord our God is one. He's Father, Spirit, Son. Father, Spirit, Son. Oh, the Lion and the Lamb. The Lion and the
let's worship him. Lift up the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We worship you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this gospel, Lord, that we have and we can partake of it and be part of the kingdom of God. Amen. It's, uh, it's interesting being, a, being a, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, while it's not here yet on the earth. As Paul said, we're ambassadors. We go around and we, we're representatives of the kingdom uh, to come, but it's, it's not here yet. And so we, we preach to get people born into the kingdom. Uh, if you want to see it, you got to be born again, as Jesus said. Amen. And so uh, we're, we, we transferred our citizenship to another world. Amen. We're no longer citizens of this world. I'm thankful to be a, a citizen of heaven and the kingdom of heaven. Amen. But uh, the day is coming, and it's soon uh, that it will manifest itself here on this earth like never before. And this earth will see peace that it's never seen before. Amen. Even in the time that whatever the Antichrist, whatever covenant that he can do, it's only temporary. It doesn't compare to the thousand years of peace when, Je when our Lord and Savior rules this world, right? Amen. I'm thankful to be a part of that. Amen. And God's got great things in store for the church and also Israel. Amen. We're blessed to be a part of it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.